Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia Hyatt also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in your relationships as well as artfully handling life's challenges. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com and make sure to follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much again for joining me today. And all the feedback that you give on social media, really appreciate that. And I hope that you are faring well and taking good care of yourself. And that you are really working on increasing your faith. And so I want to talk today about the paradox of unbelief. And just what it is to believe, what it means to feel like you have unbelief, what it means to not be able to trust and what you have faith in and how do you foster faith how do you increase faith how do you support faith and so unbelief is is kind of a paradox for a christian because what what is a paradox really well a paradox is this seemingly i don't know absurd or self-contradictory statement it's or or it's a proposition that when it's investigated, when we try to explain it, it actually proves to be founded in truth. So in a paradox, think about this. We could make we could kind of make a little like story. In a paradox, someone discovered that stepping back from his job had increased the rewards that he gleaned from it. So that was a paradox for him. So it's it's kind of a statement or a proposition that despite the sound and just reasoning from acceptable premises, it kind of leads to a conclusion that seems senseless. It's like it makes sense for me to say, oh, God, help me with my unbelief. But it is kind of senseless. And it's really self-contradictory. So it's a, it's a conflict that happens. It, uh, you know, it's a situation, a person that combines this contradictory feature or qualities of something. It's like mixing together things that don't match. So it's the mingling of, like, let's say, deciduous trees with elements of desert, like desert flora. And we get this fascinating ecological paradox. So this is what I want you to think about. To truly believe, truly, means to have faith that God is alive is active, and is keenly interested in me today. So let's look at that verse in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And this is, this is what's difficult, is this faith in something that's unseen. And we kind of have a tendency to ascribe a whole bunch of things onto God that we think that if he does these things, then I can have more faith in him. And so this is where we want to look at this as more of a relational issue. And I want you to understand that there are many things when it comes to 
really being what a Christian and really having faith. <clears throat> and that was things, we have faith, we have hope, we have love, we have truth. And, and hope is one of the, the foundational aspects of faith. Because hope is this key concept that the hoper believes in this individual or this entity or a, a way of thinking and, and it really is, is something about I'm hoping in something. So I'm placing my hope in this and I'm believing that it will come to be. So when we think about hope, this is one of the three theological virtues of being a Christian. Faith, hope, love. And so hope is in the Bible and it means a strong and confident expectation of future reward. Now, you want to think about this is a global statement. Expectation, the confident expectation of a future reward. Well, the problem that humans have is that we have a tendency to want to qualify what that future reward is because we think we know what we need and what we want better than God. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm still, thank you for your prayers about my allergies. I so appreciate them. They are so frustrating this time of year. So thank you for just hanging in there with me. Okay, so we get back to, let's look at Titus chapter 1, verse 2. And in modern terms, hope is kind of akin to trust, and it's this confident expectation. So the Apostle Paul talks to us about that hope is this source of salvation for Christians. For in hope we have been saved. If we hope for what we do not see, then with perseverance we eagerly await it, right? So this is where we want to look at this idea of what is hope, and how do we hope to increase our belief? And this, this is where we, these, these things sound very similar, but they are very different. So let's look at this verse in, in the Message Bible, and it's, a chapter, it's Mark chapter 9, verses 19 through 27. And this is what it's, it starts out by saying, Jesus said, What a generation! No sense of God! How many times do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with this? And then he says, bring the boy here. And they brought him. When the demon saw Jesus, it threw the boy into a seizure, causing him to writhe on the ground and foam at the mouth. And he asked the boy's father, how long has this been going on? And the father said, ever since he was a little boy. <clears throat> Many times he pitches fits and it throws him into the fire or the river to do away with him. If you can do anything, do it. Have a heart and help us. And Jesus replied with, if, if, there's no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. And no sooner were the words out of his mouth <clears throat> than the father cried, then I do believe. Help me with my doubts. Now that is the paradox. I do believe, Jesus, but I'm a human and I have doubts. I don't feel solid in it. I don't feel like I can really stand on it. And so it goes on to say in verse 25, seeing that the crowd was forming fast, Jesus gave the vile spirit its marching orders. He said, dumb and deaf spirit, I command you out of him and stay out. And screaming and with much thrashing about it left. So the boy was pale as a corpse. So the people started saying, he's dead. But Jesus, taking his hand, raised him, and the boy stood up. So where 
In whom do you trust? Whom do you believe in? Whom do you have faith in? Where is your faith? So yes, maybe in politicians, because they are, they are intended to serve the people. Maybe in my parents, maybe in pastors, friends, spouses, doctors, lawyers, etc. But who and where do I place my ultimate faith in? You see, it must be in God. It must be in Jesus, our Savior, not in mortal man. Now, God uses humans to deliver and do his work. But we believe first in God and then in man. <clears throat> and when we end with faith in God, again. So we begin with God, we end with God. So I want you to think of it like this. It's a sandwich approach. God is the foundation. The people that are supposed to be being used by God are in the middle. And then on the top is God again as the covering. So in our faith, yes, we include humans. God uses humans all the time. He loves to use humans to do his work. But we want to start our faith, our belief, foundationally in the thing that is God. God does the thing. However he chooses to do it is different, and, and there's a myriad of ways he does things. But our faith is first in God. Then we might have some belief in the humans that God is using. And we ultimately end in knowing that whatever is good came from God. So the word if is absolutely appropriate to use with humans. But with God, I don't think so. So we can say, you know, I have a lot of faith in you. I hope you do a good job. I want to believe in you. But think about if we use that language with God. And the hard part here is the way God does things. And we're in the midst of this really difficult time right now in our world with this pandemic that we are, are absolutely fighting. And, it, and it's confusing. And the information is contradictory. And it's hard to know what we can believe in. But we, what, what do we know is true? So we want to ultimately understand that in any situation in our life, no matter how big, no matter how small, that if is not a word with God. God can do anything, anything, you know, far more than you could ever hope for or imagine. So God can do anything. There is no if. It's how. How is he going to do it? And the way he does it has everything to do with whether I recognize it as God. So let's look at this verse. This is Luke um, chapter 11, verse 11. And this is out of the International Standard Version. And it says, What father among you, if his son asks for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would give him a snake instead of a fish? But what would a good father give a fish to a child for if, let me say this to you. So looking at that verse... Would a good father give a fish to a child if he was allergic to fish? He learns the child, doesn't he? So this overall, like, example of, you know, if your son asked for bread, would you give him a stone? And if he asked for a fish, would you give him a snake? But what we want to think about is, that's the idea. That why would God refuse our request 
for a good thing and give us something bad in return. But at the same time, we know God would not give a child a fish if he were allergic to them. Even though that might be a good request, it may not be good for that child. So requests can seem very appropriate. But here's the thing. Trust and faith in God helps us accept what is good and right for us. Not necessarily it sounded right. It sounded good. It seems like it's good. It, it, it doesn't seem like it's sinful. Why would God not give it to me? So let's think about this and, and join me again in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of faith in God and what is truly belief and helping us with our paradoxical unbelief. Well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today. And we are talking today about the paradox of unbelief and what that really means. And, and I know that you, you share this with me as well, I'm sure, at different times in your life, this feeling that I believe in God, but I don't know if I believe he's going to actually do it or if he'll really do it for me. And so when we look at what a paradox is, it's this absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when we investigate it or it's explained, it's like, wow, that may prove to be really founded or very, or very true. So it's kind of like the paradox of a guy that, you know, stepped back from his job. And the fear was, if I step back from my job, I'm going to lose all my income. And what he found was when he stepped back from his job, the rewards increased, and maybe they were different kinds of rewards. But there was that paradox of these two things don't seem to fit. Quitting my job makes my life better. That feels like that's a paradox. So when we think about this paradox of unbelief, it's absurd that we would struggle with unbelief. And that's what we were, we were looking at in this, in this story in, in Mark. When Jesus says to the people, what a generation, no sense of God. How many times do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with this? Bring the boy to me. Because they weren't sure if Jesus could pull it off. And so what it really came down to, this story was really about if. Because what really offended Jesus more than anything was if. When the, when the father said to him, well, if, if there's something you can do, please do it for us. And Jesus said, if, if, there are no ifs among believers, anything can happen. So the problem for us with, with this paradox is, okay, so maybe globally I can believe, I believe God can do anything, but it's if he'll do it for me. So that's the faith issue. Can I really believe God's character? Do I really believe God wants good things for me? Do I really believe that he would do it for me? And this is where we complicate it. So I asked you in that first segment, whom do you trust in? Who do you believe in? Who do you have faith in? Where do you place your trust? And right now, we're having to place our trust in maybe some unscrupulous people. 
And we're having many politicians that are running around trying to figure this thing out for us, and how are they going to help the country be safe? So this is where we want to say to ourselves, okay, you know, I hope if our government can help us, it would be great. But there is no if with God. God absolutely will help us. He absolutely is a very present help in times of troubles. And so our faith, our ultimate faith, must be in God, must be in Jesus, not in mortal man. Yes, God uses humans to do his work, but we first believe in God, then in man, and then we end up again with our faith in God. And so I gave you that example of a sandwich approach. I have the, the bottom is the foundation of my faith in God, but above all, I believe in God. And then I add the middle section, if like let's say it's a hamburger, then I add the burger, that's kind of the people, right? So... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put some faith in some people. I, I have lots of people in my life that I have faith in, but not like I have faith in God. And so then I end. The top is God. So the people are sandwiched in between a foundation of God and my, and my belief, my faith in God. So when we were talking about this verse in Luke chapter 11, verse 11, it says again, what father among you, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone, and he asks for a fish, would give him a snake instead of a fish? So we can get that, that idea. That Jesus is saying, I mean, come on. Really? If I can do this, and now you don't even believe my intentions? So when we are thinking about our faith, where is our faith? Well, if my faith is firstly in God, then I know that if I ask for something, God is not going to give me the opposite, right? If I say, hey, God, I really need a piece of bread, he's not going to hand me a stone. But let's think about this. What if I was gluten intolerant and I was asking for bread? Then maybe God would resist giving me that very thing that I thought was the very thing that I needed. That's where trust comes in. Do I trust him or not? There is, no, there is no sort of with trust and when it comes to God. I either trust God or I don't. So let's look at that verse again. If your son asks for bread, would you give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, would you give him a snake instead? So what we want to think about is, let's say the child was allergic to fish. Well, then fish seems like a good request. Seems like a healthy request. But even if that good thing is not good for that child, the father's going to resist it. So requests can seem appropriate to us, but our trust and our faith has to be in God because God helps us accept what is good and right for us, not what we think might be good and right. So good parents withhold and consequence children in healthy ways. So even if the child was bad, a good parent wouldn't withhold a good thing. So a good parent would say, yes, my child's in time out right now, or yes, my child is grounded for the rest of his life, but I'm not going to withhold food from him. And so this is how God is working with us. The trust is in the God of good things, that his wisdom sees what is truly good, not just what is pleasant or pleasurable for us. So that doesn't mean that we can't trust in people. 
See, this father, what he did, this father got himself together. And this father said, you know, the correct and appropriate thing in asking. And he fell short when he applied the if to God's ability and God's heart. And that's when Jesus corrected him. So this is what we want to think about when when we're looking at that verse. That Jesus looked at the man and said, if, if, of course I can. And so what the man did was he got himself right side up and he said, of course you can. Help me with my unbelief. That his unbelief then really became accurate. It wasn't in Jesus. He wasn't not believing in Jesus. He was believing in the goodness. Is is Jesus going to really do this for me? Does he have a heart to do this for me? And that's when Jesus finished out the entire problem and he fixed it. And this is where it's really important for us to understand our intentions and our relationship with God. That I ultimately want to go to God in a way to honor God by uh, knowing he's a good God. Why wouldn't he do the perfect, right, best thing for me? If he was willing to lay his life down for me, why would he be opposite of his, his character now? So the, the problem becomes, do I believe that he's going to do these things, or am I worried about my relationship with God, that maybe the way I'm living my life might inhibit his ability to do good things for me? So we're going to talk about that in the next segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next half hour. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today. And we are talking about belief. We are talking about faith, trust, hope. And what a paradox that can feel like to us. It can feel so contradictory that we believe that God can do good things, but do we believe he'll do them for me? And so let's read this, this passage again in Mark chapter 9, verses 19 through 27. And this is out of the Message Bible. It says, Jesus said, what a generation, no sense of God. How many times do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with this? Bring the boy here. They brought him. When the demon saw Jesus, it threw the boy into a seizure, causing him to writhe on the ground and foam at the mouth. He asked the boy's father, how long has this been going on? Ever since he was a little boy, many times it pitches him into the fire or the river to do away with him. If you can do anything, do it. Have a heart and help us. And Jesus said, if? There are no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. No sooner were the words out of his mouth than the father cried, then I believe, help me with my doubts. See, it doesn't offend Jesus when we struggle with our feelings of whether we deserve it whether it's actually going to happen because we need it so desperately and it's such a big thing to ask and we're, we just don't even want to hope in it because we don't want our hopes to be dashed. Jesus understands that. What he doesn't want to hear from us is that we're doubting his ability. 
So it goes on to say, seeing that the crowd was forming fast, Jesus gave the vile spirit its marching orders. Dumb and deaf spirit, I command you, out of him and stay out. Screaming and with much thrashing about it left. The boy was a pale corpse, so people started saying he's dead. But Jesus, taking his hand, raised him, and the boy stood up. So think about that. If you were there watching this whole thing, that this little boy, when Jesus cast that spirit out of that little boy, the boy was pale as a corpse and looked like he was dead. So this is where you want to think about a lot of the deliverance that God gives to us, a lot of the ways he helps us can seem and feel like and look like whatever that thing was is dead. But a lot of times God's ways we know aren't our ways. So it can appear like God is doing something that is contrary to his nature. This is where trust, faith come into play. That we don't use the word if with God. We don't say, well, if he loves me, or if he can, or if he's willing, if he has time. We say, if, God can do anything. So we want to ask God to help us with our side of the street. What do I think about whether or not I need it, want it, should have it? How much do I condemn myself in the process? How much am I believing in the wrong things? And not starting with my belief in God. And that's kind of what we were, we were addressing in the first segment. When I talked about how difficult this time is. And it's very scary with this pandemic that we have going on. This coronavirus. And so we want to think about who are we believing in? Who do we have faith in? So we absolutely are giving appropriate faith to, I guess, politicians, to doctors, to healthcare workers, as we always do. But ultimately... We're going to assume that God is using those people to help us, that our ultimate faith is not in those people, that it's in God and in his mercy and in his grace. So whom do you trust in? Who do you believe in? Where is your faith? What does your faith depend on? So where do you place your ultimate faith? Who do you place it in? And this is why we want to make sure that we are, we are placing our ultimate faith in the God of the universe that knew this was coming. When he started this whole project with earth, with humans, <clears throat> he knew that in 2020, this pandemic would be here. And he already has made a way. He already had a plan. And he is going to work it out in spite of the mistake-making humans. So more than anything, we put our faith in God and we pray for those people that are doing what they need to do to protect the nation. And we are careful about our criticism. And we are careful about how much we expect of humans and leave our expectation and our complete faith in God. And so the father was correct and appropriate. He knew he fell short when he applied if to God's ability and God's heart. So let's really think about that as we go forward. So we have one more segment, and we're going to talk more about what trust and confidence and belief really is about and how we really walk that out well. 
Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you're just tuning in, I want to make sure that you take advantage of the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And all the shows, are not all the shows, but the most current shows are on the website. You can also download them directly from the website, send them to people. And we also have study guides that are available for the shows. If you want to listen to the show again and maybe really put some of that into practice and get a better understanding of what we talked about today. You can also use it for small groups as well. So thank you also very much for your appearance on social media. And I'm just excited about the new things that we have coming this year. So we are talking about the paradox of unbelief. And we really talked about that in length, that story about the father with the little boy that was deaf and mute and that Jesus cast the, the, the vile spirit out of him and delivered him. And the whole entire essence of that story was the only thing that offended Jesus. I mean, I guess if we could say he's offended, he was not happy. It was when the father said, if you can do something, do anything for us. And Jesus said, if. There's no if. Because when we are believing in God, we don't, we don't think if God can do it. We, what we're saying, essentially, when we think, well, if God can do it, I hope he does, we're concerned that he doesn't want to do it, or that we're not good enough to have it from him, or that he is not willing to do whatever it is that, that we need to have done. So we really want to practice understanding what belief is. Belief is, is in him. It's not belief in myself, and it's not belief in that I'm going to be good enough to get God to do something for me then my belief is ultimately in God's ability. And that's unquestioning. That's an unquestionable issue. So when we think about this, we want to say to ourselves, okay, so maybe I don't really have a belief issue. Maybe it's a trust issue. Maybe it's my feelings about myself or the situation that I've gotten myself in. I feel guilty about that situation. Or I'm not seeing concrete evidence that God is really working on my behalf or taking care of the people that I love. And so maybe I'm not able to trust him. I believe he can. I just don't trust that he'll do it for me. Or I don't trust that I am worthy of having him do that for me. So when we think about this issue of trust, we want to think, what, what is trust? Well, trust, when we think of it as a noun, that is firm belief in the reliability of something, in the truth of the strength that someone or something has. So our relationships are built on trust. If we don't have trust in our relationships, we have very difficult time with intimacy. So if we think about trust as a verb, then it's kind of believing in the reliability or the ability of someone or the strength that they may have. And so we may say things like, I really can depend on them. I can really trust, on, trust in them. I, I'm banking on it. I can count on it. And this is part of relational pieces that we want to be thinking about. So I can have a lofty thought that I know that God can do it and I trust God's ability. But the relationship piece of trust is believing he will do it for me, that I trust God for me. And this is where we saw in that story in, in verse 24 in, in chapter 9 of Mark, it says, The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome 
my unbelief. So to truly believe means to have faith that God is alive. He's active. He's keenly interested in me today. That without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. That's Hebrews 11.6. And this is what we want to think about. Unbelief is usually a trust issue. And it does, and it stems from feelings of unworthiness. It's about relationship. It's, the, it's an issue of trust. It's not whether or not God can. It's whether he will. Will he do it for me? Will he do for me what I need or what I want? So what do I believe about my relationship with Father God, with Jesus? That's what I want you to be thinking about today. Because that helps you put appropriate trust or faith in humans that you're not trusting in them over God and that you're not only trusting in God and not in humans. That we trust in God first and then we watch God work through humans. And so this is when we realize that that this is truly an issue of trust. It isn't whether or not God can, it's whether he will. So it's about my relationship. It's hoping God will do it and trusting he will. So the little boy in this story of of Mark chapter 9, the son trusted his father. So this is a great example that the father was then needing to trust Jesus, his ultimate father. So the little boy trusted his father, and wherever the father took him, the son relied on his father. He depended on him, and he believed that his father had his best interest in mind for him and did whatever the father had him do. It was all about relationship. Again, an example that we are to have the faith of a child of entrusting in God for what we need and what we want. So what was happening here is that the son was doing the exact thing that God wanted the father to do. He wanted the father to believe in Jesus in the way that God, that this little boy was believing in his father and trusted his father and trusted where his father took him. So so children, you know, they simply tell their father or mother what they need and want. Most, Most children are very trusting and they simply believe that the parent will give them always what is best and, and they believe their parents' intentions. They believe in their parents' heart and they trust their parents. And they're not ashamed to ask for what it is, even if it seems outrageous. So that's the lesson here for us today. Now, I'm not saying that every, every one of us had these great childhoods and could believe in everything our parents were doing and believed all of our parents' intentions. What I'm saying is that, that, that is an a, a example of how God wants us to feel about him. He's not saying that we have perfect parents. But it is natural. What's, what it is is natural for children to tell their father what they need and what they want. And it is natural until children learn not to trust. It's natural for children to trust their parents implicitly and to believe their parents have goodwill toward them. And they believe in their parents' intentions and in their parents' hearts. And they trust. So that is what is natural. So if you weren't able to do that with your natural parents, I don't want you to withhold that from God. So I want you to say that ultimately, God's your father anyways, and what he was doing was 
hoping that the earthly parents would reflect him to his children. So if your earthly parents were not a good reflection of God, you don't want to take that out on God. You want to make sure that you're saying, you know, God, I was raised by imperfect parents. Maybe they did some things well. Maybe they did other things. It was an abysmal failure. And this is where you want to say that that's part of the forgiveness process for me. But ultimately, my faith is in God and then in humans. So the lesson today is stop thinking for God. Just simply as a child, tell him what you need. Tell him what you want. Tell him what your fears are. If you have a hard time trusting and you say, you know, I, I, I don't know, God. I, I trust. I think. I believe that you'll do good things. I'm trying to trust that, that you'll do them for me. But help my unbelief. Help my struggle with trusting. So I love this verse. This is Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. And it's out of the Message Bible as well. And it says, don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This isn't a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. If your child asks for bread, do you trick him with sawdust? If he asks for fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children, so don't you think the God who conceived you in love will be even better? So I love that. Because don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. Specifically, just say. And if you don't even know what you need, but you know you need something, say that. God knows everything. It's impossible to trick God. He knows when we're lying. So we might as well just tell him what we need. And trust that why would he have died for people if he wanted to give them bad things? So this is a really important concept. When we think about love, that that is where this all comes down to, is love. And love is this intense feeling of deep affection. And I have to tell you, that's how God feels towards you. It has nothing really to do with you. He loves you with deep affection. He has tremendous commitment to your life, even when you're not committed to it. And even if you're not committed to him, he has an immense amount of forgiveness available all the time for you. He knows it's hard down here. He knows it's a mess down here. And he's working through people to really help save his world. That's what he's doing. And he's doing it one person at a time often. So I want you to think about this intense feeling of deep affection that God has for you. And this is where we stop thinking for God. We stop questioning his love. Just ask for what you need. Ask for what you want. Trust that your father is going to do what is best for you. That his timing is impeccable. That God is trustworthy. See, we complicate it so much. We try to think for God and some of this, like we said, is a relationship issue. It's trying to understand God's ways as a figure, <laughs> try to figure out the system so that we figure out the rules, kind of. So, so it's kind of like, if I do this, then maybe God will do that. And 
This is kind of like a child who's thinking, well, if I clean my bedroom every day for a week, dad will buy me the bicycle I want, right? So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I do believe there is a cause and effect. And I do believe that our sins can close doors. But can, that word, that's the operative word. It can close doors. And it also, God can open doors. So he can even open doors that, that we closed out of our own sin or that were closed inappropriately on us. So this is what we want to be thinking about. How many characters in the Bible do we see struggling with sin? And God still used them and blessed them. I think we must concentrate firstly on God's love for us, his desire to bless us, his understanding of who we are, the fact that he knows us better than we know ourselves. He died a heinous death in order to be with us, and that we have the promise that he will never withhold a good thing from us. He wants to spend eternity with us. And I love this verse. This is Psalms 8411. We're going to end with this. It says, One day spent in your house, this is a beautiful place of worship, beats a thousand days spent on Greek island beaches. I'd rather scrub floors in the house of my God than be honored as a guest in the palace of sin. All sunshine and sovereignty is God's generous generosity and in his gifts and his glory. He doesn't scrimp with his traveling companions. It's smooth sailing all the way with God of the angel armies. That one day with God is better than a lifetime that we may have here on earth. So he is our sun and our shield. So for those of you who struggle with condemnation, living with integrity does not mean living perfectly. You don't expect your kids to live perfectly. So the biggest paradox or dilemma for parents really is not giving children everything they want. So this is what I want you to think about. This is a trust issue. It's believing God truly loves us, and that his love is not conditional. And it emanates from this issue with God that we many times can't trust him. So God is a God of love, and he loves you very deeply. Have a blessed week. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and iTunes. Until next time, remember... Be your own best version.